just look at the chances last night, you know, Greenway breakaway misses, Tasia breakaway, Tasia five seconds or eight seconds later, point blank in the slot missed, JJ Paterka point blank in the slot missed, uh, JJ had partial breakaway missed. Those are, I, I mentioned those because they're all quality. I mean, they got all the way to the point where, okay, it's the shooter against the goaltender. So the process all the way up to that point worked, but the finish didn't last night as an example. That's Sabres head coach Don Granato from this week, Tuesday with Jeremy and Sal. Weekly Tuesday appearance here on WGR. The Sabres and the Blue Jackets tonight, Friday night at Columbus before returning home, Sunday against Carolina. Tonight's game's NHL Network, but I think it's still MSG for uh, for those locally. Anyways, the Sabres. All right, two weeks from the trade deadline. Are we expecting big things? Are we expecting anything uh, of significance? Are you excited for the deadline in any way? I'm always excited for the deadline. Always, isn't it? It's a cool day. It's a you know you just we. we uh, I mean, I remember days you know being in that station, uh, being in the building at the station, like kind of just monitoring everything what's going on, and I'm, you know it's kind of the same thing now, but. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, waiting to see what's happening and somebody's on social and somebody's monitoring all the trades and you yeah. know it's just kind of a it's a cool day for us in sports to cover the team it's a cool day and i think it's always for fans anyway yeah i'm excited i'm more intrigued this year though by i don't know what they're going to do because we keep hearing how Casey Middlestat and like they're not getting rental guys we know that mm-hmm. are they getting but no team what team is going to trade you a a really like a core piece that the Sabres would use going forward. No team's going to do that at this time of year, but it feels like that's what they're trying to do, right? So that's why I'm intrigued. Yeah. I have no idea what's going to happen. I think I missed the days of uh, I think I, I, Twitter. I don't know. I, I love Twitter for like gaining information and like yeah. uh, like fun, you know stuff like that. Um, deadline day though, like man, when I'm growing up and I'm I'm turning this station on for deadline day. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember where I was when I just heard somebody break in. Maybe it would have been like Matthew Collar back in the day. I don't remember who it was. But someone just broke in to to say the Sabres were trading Zach Cassian to the, uh, to the Canucks for Cody Hodson. And then who's Cody Hodson? And just, you know, you kind of like learning about it right then and there rather than having like the slow drip the the build up to it like hey it sounds like there's a Friedman saying that he's hearing this and this the deadline by the way it's kind of not the same that it was even league wide a lot of those trades now are made like the day or two days before deadline day i actually think the nfl trade deadline day is kind of past it cuz nfl trade deadline day you actually get some real moves now of consequence. But we'll see. You're right. Like The trade they want to make, I, I think, or should want to make, is, okay, let's take a Casey Middlestat and let's trade him for another team's Casey Middlestat that plays a different position. But who is making that trade with you right now? If anything, you're really targeting... The only teams you can really do a deal like that with, I think, are the teams that are also not on their way to making the playoffs. That's it. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of limiting your field of who you can do that with. If you're trying to trade Casey Middlestat, for instance, and you want to get a top four defenseman back, all right, and you call who? Who's in a playoff spot? You call, you know, Vancouver. And 
You say, okay, well, we want your number three defenseman, but we're going to give you Casey Middlestad. Vancouver's in first place. They're going to say, oh, we'd love to have Casey Middlestad, but we're not we're not right. giving you a 23-minute-a-night defenseman when we're on our way to making the postseason. We're not That's what that. makes no sense to me. How do you do that? Because generally, if you're going to trade a guy like Casey, you know, you're going to get core pieces back. But the teams that you're going to get core pieces back are probably the teams that, because if you want Casey Middlestad, you're going to be, you know, you're fighting for playoffs already, and that's why you're doing that. So what's the other alternative? Oh, you get pieces and parts and prospects. I don't want that anymore. Like, if the plan is to trade Casey Middlestat for a first-round pick and a couple guys are going to be in Rochester for a year or two, please no. I'm not signing up for that. That, I'm done with this. It would be inconceivable to me if they – I mean, Adams has said it. Adams has said it on this station that that's not the type of trade he's looking for. Like, And and that makes sense. They already have too many. They already have a surplus of picks and prospects, most more so prospects. They're already – we're talking about how there isn't room for them. That if next year – and this is where this deadline will be interesting and the offseason, too. I I anticipate moves because it would be it would be odd if they showed up without making many moves. And what happens if Yuri Kulik, Isaac Rosan, and Matthew Savoy all show up to camp next year and oh look, they're NHL ready. They're ready. They are ready for the next step. They are, I mean, Savoy, where else are you going to put them? And Kulik has maybe already been ready. Like, the, those three guys are ready. Uh, we, we don't have room. You know, right now, you just, you would say, we don't, what are we going to do? We only have room for one of them, maybe? Maybe two of them? And one of those spots is probably on the fourth line? Like, who are you really taking out? You're taking out Gergensen's and Okposo. And those are fourth line minutes. That's that's not what these prospects are supposed to fill in for you. They're not supposed to be fourth liners. So I almost feel like, you know, if it's not Middlestat, something because they otherwise it's you better trade those prospects because I don't see what value you're going to have in them playing 12 minutes a night for you down the road. Because are my right, Sal? Like the core of forwards, at least, like it's in place. Like their top six is already locked in. Or am I wrong in thinking that? No, I think you're right unless they make a shocking move. Yeah, I think you're right about that, right? Like, that, that would be the kind of – like, when Paul comes out and goes, look, I mean, you shouldn't limit yourself, and if you really think you can make a deal with a Cousins or a Tage, then you do it. He's not advocating for it. He's just saying, like, you can't just say that these guys are untouchable. Man, like, yeah. Paul has said, the only guy who's untouchable to him would be Rasmus Dahlin. So I think, right, J- Joe, barring anything like that, I agree with you. Now, when you talk about guys who could get moved, you just mentioned two of them, but you're not getting anything for them. Oposo and Gergensen's, right? What are you getting nope. for either of those guys, right? I mean, like, yeah, that's fine. Give them a chance to go play in a playoff team. Great. Like, good for them. You're not getting anything. You're getting a late-round pick, basically, for them. You're getting future considerations, maybe, to be quite honest with you, for Kyle Oposo. No disrespect, but at this point of his career, I mean, that's probably what you're looking at, something along those lines. Um, so the other guy I keep thinking about, though, there is one guy I keep thinking about, UPL. I, he's going to be an RFA. Mm-hmm. They yeah. have Devin Levi. He's playing the best hockey of his career. His value has never been higher. And, mm-hmm. hey, you never know what any team's flavor is on goaltending, right? I mean, there's such a wild type yep. of variance with that. I, I just wonder if that's something they would entertain and want to do to fit, think that they can get better now and over the next few years. It is not. It sounds crazy because he's having – Yep. He's having one of the better goalie seasons that anyone's had since Ryan Miller. 
Um, and we've been waiting for somebody to do that. And finally, you know, I, 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 could, I can imagine how that sounds to somebody. It's, wait, right. we finally have a good goalie season and we're just going to move him off the roster just like that? Like, what are you talking about? Like, he, we spent five years developing this guy, but you, met, you made the right, you know, point there about how, well, it's time to pay him. Time to do something with him. I think what's probably most likely is a bridge deal. They'll give him a two or a three year deal, maybe like four million bucks, and they'll keep him around. But it's not crazy to me. It, if that was your avenue to getting a top four defenseman and another team wanted him, I, I, I'm with Paul. I wouldn't say no to anybody other than maybe Darlene right now. And the way Levi is playing right now in Rochester, I see the point this out in Levi again. I like to you know, continue to point this out. Lukanen, Levi's in Rochester more so to me because of Lukanen than, than his own play. He, mm. If you look at especially some of his advanced numbers this year, he's, he played league average goaltending play this year. Like Levi was about a league average goalie by a lot of those numbers. And then he got sent down because Lukanen was playing well above league average and he was playing every night. And obviously you're not going to want Levi playing once every three weeks. He's in Rochester so that he can get games. And Lukanen has outplayed him and earned the number one job. Levi, by the way, since he's been down there, he's number one in the AHL in save percentage. So, you know, hmm. he's he's having a pretty strong developmental season. It's just not going as, you know, it's not the superstar type of season that some people might have wanted. And as you've said, it's kind of perfectly normal for yeah. what's happening yeah, with him. Yeah, totally normal. So, I guess part of it is how much faith do you have in him? Because... If you call up Calgary and they want, or just Carolina, and they want, they'll, they'll talk Brett Pesci with you, but who's a top four defenseman, but they need a goaltender, so they want Lukanen back for him. You know, a lot of that's going to be how much faith you have in Levi. Because if you don't have Ukepeka Lukanen on this team next year, you, you got to go find a goalie again. You got to go find a goalie again. And man, I guess they could do that. So Lukanen, to like, would you agree he's not at this point a part of like what we would call like the core of the team going forward, or he's not yet? I should. say. I not, think not, I would agree because I I think to me, okay, so that's a good question. You can do it with two, right? Look at the Bruins and what they've been able to do with yes. um, Omar and Swayman, right? Yes, like you yep. can do that. But I think when I think of core of the team, I'm thinking one goalie and one number one guy. Like that that's kind of mm-hmm. and I think eventually that's going to be Levi. I hope it turns out. I think it's going to turn out. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But even let's just say it would it could be UPL. It's gonna be one or the other. I, I don't think of two goalies like this. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, the core of the team is these two goalies. You can do it and you do need a solid backup, there's no doubt. I just think though, if you have an opportunity if, to you know, spin one of them who can go and play and get what he deserves in minutes and whatever somewhere else, then you can improve your team elsewhere. That's what you do because the other guy is your core then. So I agree with you. I don't think either goalie I would put in that category right now just because it's too early on in the process, mm-hmm. especially for Levi, but I would say for Lucan and two. Um, I liked Chad Dinaminesis on this uh, earlier in the week when, uh, when Jeremy asked him about, like, at what point would you say, okay, this is what Lucanen is? Because as I've pointed out, he hasn't had a season this good since the OHL. He never even had a season like this in the AHL. So this is kind of new. I hope it holds for years, but I think you got to give it more than 35 games before you're just ready to declare this is what UPL is 
forever. But a year from now, if he's still doing it, then that's what Chad said. I think I agree with that. That okay, then I think you have to give it to him. Like this is this is what he is. Until that, I'm not putting him in like the core of the team. I think like who are the who's the core of the team right now? It's Tage, it's Cousins, it's Darlene, it's Power. Those guys are all locked up. And am I am I fair in putting Tuck in that category too? Um. Yes, I think you're fair. Yes. Am I? Am I done? Am I putting so Paterka is, in there yet? Well, I don't know. So, so Tuck's an interesting guy to me. Like, how? Let's take a look at Tuck for a second. Let's examine him. Look at his age. Look at his contract. Where are we? I like. I. I much more. This is a the the, the category you're putting him in is what? Tell me the category you're putting him in here. You just said like the the core of the team. Like the guys that are staples that you are. You they are here and you are just you are you're building around them. I would say is the way I would want. Actually, to I don't know. I. This is gonna sound crazy to a lot of people. I don't know if I'd put Tuck there. I mean, he's 27 right now. He's still young. He's got three. He's got two more years left on his deal here. I, I, I don't know. I think so. Like two years from now, sure. But he's not this long-term Tage Cousins. What you're going to sign, Paterka, probably Quinn. I think Quinn's in this category. Like I don't know. What is it beyond that? And does it come a time where over the next couple of years you got to make a decision on that? In two years' time, maybe. I hear you. I I'll but not right now. Not now for sure. Mm-hmm. The the thing about that is like he he is the face of guys that want to be here, right? Yeah, that's right. Like yeah. he's he's from here, you know, you know, loosely. He's from Syracuse, but he grew up a Sabres fan. Um, if you can't get the kid that grew up a Saber fan, well, I I, say, I I shouldn't say it that way. It wouldn't be it wouldn't have to be him leaving. It could be the Sabers deciding it's a it's a hockey decision uh, on their in their own right. But for, yeah, for now, I would put him in there, but I can understand not. Um, Cousins, no problem, right? Darlene and Power. Is that it? It, it? Samuelson? I mean, he signed, but he didn't have a great year. Like, I I don't know. Like, my, my overall question, what the reason I'm trying to figure well, out, like, who the players are. Give me one are. more guy here. Go it's ahead. only because of contract. Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner, yeah. I mean, you're keeping him. You're not. What are you doing with that? I mean, even, no, even if here. you want to move on, he's 31 right now. He's got to be here for the next few years. Yeah, he's he's here till 2027. Like, right. almost almost for sure. The reason I try to figure out the list is I put this poll up like I think a year ago we all thought even if they weren't going to make it but they were just starting to they were putting their run together um they were getting back into the playoff picture they were in a race they were the youngest team in hockey you know they weren't getting the goaltending so there was a pretty there was a pretty obvious reason why they weren't fully formed yet a year ago I think collectively we all would have thought they're they're going to figure it out even if it's not this season, this group will get there. They'll get to the postseason. They'll break the drought. They will return this team to being a contender even. And now, I put that poll up. Do you believe this Sabres core of players will be the ones to turn all of this around? And 67% are saying no. And I think that's, a you know, we're in the heat of the moment. We're, we're in a bad place with this season. And with the overall, I think, lack of big moves that if you would want to build around them. Um, but the Tages, the Cousins, the, the, the Dalines, the Powers, I think it is fair to ask if they are good enough to be a team's best players that are going to be a Stanley Cup contender. Especially in a division, like look, look who you're competing with. Boston's best players, Pasternak and 
Marshawn for now, but I know he's on the way out. Charlie McAvoy, like their best players are better than your best players. Toronto, Matthews has 51 goals. I mean, that's that's easy. Marner, you know, their best players right now are better than your best players. Florida's best mm-hmm. players. Like, I, I, I think the bigger reason they're not in the playoffs is more the, the moves that have been made to build around these guys. But we, we also need to recognize we don't know what the ceiling is for them. We don't know. Like, can Tage Thompson and Rasmus Dahlin be the best players on a Stanley Cup team? Because I think we're still we still are in a question mark uh, type of a uh, period with that. Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, I guess I. Well, then who is? I mean, then those people aren't here right now, right? I mean, and, and how do you get them? That's that becomes a question because and you those don't are pretty want, high level yeah. players. And you and you don't want to go back into that because that is correct. That, You're not going to the bottom to get dark like, depressing. Remember before I said, Joe, I have no interest in any of these prospect trades anymore. Yes. I have less interest in anyone talking to me about tanking. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I mean, really, what you might be hopeful of, like how how do they how do they get great? Because as I mentioned, I, is there someone in the organization that's going to be better than Austin Matthews? That's going to be better than Matthew Kachuk? That's going to be better than David Pasternak? Better than you know Kucherov in Tampa? That, that's another part that's not the Sabers' fault. They're in a division that's pretty loaded. Like, this is probably the best division in hockey, and for 10 years running, it's probably been, it's like a microcosm, or it's a, you know, maybe a lesser version of the, uh, the Bills drought when they had the Patriots in their, in their division all the time. It's not solely the responsibility of New England that the Bills had a drought, but it didn't help. And that's, I think, part of what you look at when you're looking up at your division rivals right now is they all have elite players that are going to be there for a really long time. And mm-hmm. how do you over, overcome that? You either need Tage and Darlene to be those, you know, MVP-level players, you, or you need someone else in the organization. I really wonder if Zach Benson could be that still. Maybe Kulik, maybe there's someone else that mm-hmm. has that type of upside. I don't want to say it couldn't mm-hmm. happen. Or you just have to have a better fully-formed roster than them. Right, like you've got to beat them on, well, in in depth. You got to beat them in net. You got to beat them in in other stuff. Eventually, that will you. If you want to answer yes to this question of this core will turn things around, eventually it will start to you know we'll have to start to figure out like what the the ceiling is then. Now, can I have permission to um, borrow Jeremy's snark cannon for a second? Can I sure. do that? Sure. Can, can I borrow the snark cannon? Uh, you asked like basically something about. You know, or you said, you know, how do you overcome a team like the Leafs who have so much, you know, high end talent? And the answer is, you don't have to. The Leafs will overcome themselves. That's the answer right there. <laughs> For the Leafs specifically, Leafs. I know it's yeah. a Buffalo guy making a joke about the Leafs. I get all that. I get it. that's yep. the ironic part. But let's be honest. I mean, the Leafs have hey. some great players, but I don't. The, we all have a lot of. There's a lot of questions about them, even with yep. those great players, on how far they can go. Yep. It's just, it, and that's right. They, they are on a six-game win streak, by the way. So, uh, you know. Oh, nice. But you know, yeah, go, go on a six-game win streak in the playoffs. Uh, Toronto, the, the division, like, they, who are they going to top? I hope Tampa because I hope they age out, and I hope Boston. But I'm I'm done betting against Boston because I look like an idiot every other year doing that. But I don't know where I'm at with this. I I think I'm in the I'm on the fence. I want I don't like to not take sides on. Will this core be the one that turns things around? Let me put it this way. I don't know if they'll get back to contending the way 
that we talked about that 07 team 17 years ago. Like That was real contention. I still feel pretty comfortable, though, that they'll break the drought. <laughs> the, this team I will break I, the I, drought. I, I think so, too, but man, step back this year. I re- I was all in on they were going to do it this year. I really was. I was fooled. I, I, I thought, was that the right word? I don't even know. I really thought this they were going to do that this year. What? But even that, like, fooled by, like, who could have seen? I don't know. Who could have seen the power play going to, like, the third worst unit in the league? Like, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't have seen that coming. I, if we were fooled, I don't know. Just who, who would have seen the regression offensively looking like this? I, I don't know. That's why I think everyone has the right to be upset about this season. Is it shouldn't have looked like this? All of their top players coming down to earth like that. It's it's pretty tough. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty is the phone number. Mark and West Seneca. Hey, Mark. Oh, good morning. How are you, Joe? Good, Mark. Oh, I, I always love talking to you about hockey. <laughs> I've always told you that whenever I call. You don't talk about it enough. So, Thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, a huge Saber fan as frustrated as anybody um, about how the season has gone. Uh, but when I look at the, the, to me, there is an absolute correlation if you start talking about changing the core right now as to what the organization has been doing for 13 years, which is this. Every few years, uh, they change the GM, they change the coach, they change gears, everything's in upheaval, and it's in constant flux. Just a year ago, the, the organization... Uh, surprisingly to a lot of people, said, hey, these are our car guys. We're going to pay them. This is, now is the time to stay with your convictions. Granted, the season's not gone well. Everybody's frustrated. But one year later, you're about to change the core. Uh, you could argue that the Sabres have not put anything around that core uh, to help that core. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, you, need, you need something out of your third and fourth lines much better. Uh, than what you're getting. And I'm not just, I mean, you know the game, I know the game. It's not just scoring. You know, it's about hard to play against. It's about puck possession. It's about time in the offensive zone. It's about commitment to defense. We don't have those players. We don't even have a player that we can stick on a top line that has those convictions and and let the offensive guys go do their thing. So it's not just putting those guys down in the third and fourth line. You know, you got to have the ability to mix guys in and up around the lineup, too. But to start making changes in the core right now, only a year after you identified it, that's not sticking with your convictions. That's, that's even more scary to me than if these guys just had career years and now we're getting closer to what they really are. Because not an organization a GM and a coach, who are always going to be flying by the seat of their pants. You might as well just be talent gatherers, uh, throw guys together, and see what sticks, as opposed to having a a true, pure idea of how you want to make your roster up, who's playing what roles on what lines, and and how you're making that up. So um, as far Mm -hmm. as, you know, trading a Dylan Cousins or trading a Tuck or any of that, if we're here next year at this time, then I'm on board with that, okay? But absolutely not, not right now. Well, okay? look, can I ask you, Mark, do you consider Middlestat to be a part of the core of this team? You, you know, I was, uh, I'm not going to say hater. I was, I, was a middle, I was disappointed in Middlestat for where he was drafted and the things he would show every once in a while a year and a half to two years ago. But now, you know, when you look at Casey, 
Uh, if you're going to move him, I'm not against moving him, okay? But you better yeah. make sure you're getting something back really good because Casey is not only a good offensive player, he's a guy that's valuable to any team because you can move him up and down your lineup at the drop of a hat. He can play on your third line and help the guys around him down there, or you get an injury and you put him on the first line and you don't miss a beat. Yeah. So those guys are valuable, and Casey's played his, himself into that position. So uh, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I, I really like him now, and, and I support him. Uh, he's really worked, and he's become a really good player, and he's been through some adversity. Uh, so, but like I said, if, if they're going to move him, because he's going to be the target, everybody's going to be looking for Casey Middlestat. That's the easy target, you know, especially for teams now if, you, if you're going to, you know, you know who's going to be calling? The teams that are in the playoffs, and they're going to, like you said, yeah. they're going to want to give you a draft pick or whatever, the, the stuff we don't want or need right now. Right. Well, so, Mark, let me, let me cut in here. Thank, thanks for the call. The reason I ask you about Middlestat is, like you say, like in a year from now, if they still are in this position, then I'll be into the idea or will be more open to the idea of trading a Cousins or a Tuck. When I ask this question, and I, I hope I'm not coming off as though I'm trying to trade these guys off the core, Middlestat, that's why I asked about Middlestat, because I would differentiate him from that. He doesn't have a contract. We don't know if he's still going to be on the team. I would not put him in that category as those other players. I'm not saying trade those other guys in part because you really can't. Like... They've made up their minds on that. This is why the the question for me was more posed as how confident are you rather than should this be it? Because this is it. They've decided. They've decided by paying them for right or wrong, and maybe it'll still be for right, but they've decided that Tage, Cousins, Power, and Darlene, and Samuelson, like these are gonna this is gonna be the core of their team. They've already decided that. So I don't think there is any one year from now if things still aren't going well, you trade these guys. I, that's not that, – this is it. This is the group, the core group. You can build around them, and maybe you can add in even some star players, you know, if, you, if you're willing to trade enough stuff. But these, these, are, the guys, these are the guys. They're, they're not going anywhere for a long time. Again, for, uh, for right or wrong. 803-0550 is the phone number. Time out here. I got to get some football stuff in. I got, you know, I think I think we had a good conversation, me and Sal, about Gabe Davis yesterday and this week, even earlier when I wasn't here. So we fire that up a little bit. I've got a question about running back for the Bills and all that leading into Kyle Krabs, who will join us at 8 a.m. for a little bit on free agency, which is less than a month away from the NFL, uh, some draft stuff, and also for the Dolphins because he's the uh, host of Locked on Dolphins as well. So Kyle Krabs coming up at 8. We still have time for your phone calls, though. After this timeout, Jody Biasi, Sal Capaccio, 8030550 is the phone number here on WGR. Mm-hmm. He puts a tremendous amount of pressure on himself. He has extremely high expectation of himself. That's why he had such an incredible year last year and last couple years after previous years of major adversity. And I think this is a new new territory for him, new expectations for him within himself and, and even outside expectations. I think he's dealt with all that as all star players and, and blooming star players do. And again, I, I, I truly believe he'll come out the, the other side of this even better. And the, you know, the hope is obviously the intent is to shorten that. 
That is Don Granado on Tage Thompson, who has definitely seen regression this year. 16 goals after 47 last year. I had the stats yesterday that I was alarmed to find were that this exaggerated. But the Sabres had last year 42 goals when the Thompson, Skinner, and Tuck line were all on the ice. When all three of those guys were on the ice at the same time last year. 42 goals at 5-on-5, five five, and this year it's 7. Mm-hmm. Seven this year for that line. Their top line has not played together as much. That's that's a part of it because they've all been injured at different times. But they've also uh, they've also just not had the same goal production. We've all we've all seen it tonight against Columbus. Seven o'clock puck drop against the dead last Blue Jackets. Dead last in the uh, in the Eastern Conference. Sal wrote a little bit earlier this week or even on the weekend the uh, the state of the running backs. For the Bills at our website, WGR550.com, where you can find that there. I just want to revisit that a little bit, Sal, because you you would agree, right? They're going to do something there, right? Like, would it be surprising if they just brought back the entire same group? Like, maybe they bring back a Ty Johnson, but do you ex- you wouldn't expect the whole position to look the same as it did last year, would you? No, that's correct. I, I, don't, I think there's always going to be turnover. They're going to bring more guys in. It's a 90-man roster, right? Right now they have 53-plus mm-hmm. whatever they sign. They're 60, low 60s, I guess. Um, so you're talking, and then you're going to lose free agents, obviously, right? So, yeah, yeah. You, you have a lot of work to do here. Um, there are three pending free agents, Ty Johnson, Latavius Murray, Damian Harris. I would not rule out Ty Johnson coming back. I wouldn't even rule out Damian, Damian Harris coming back. Mm-hmm. I'd be more so to rule out, not Latavius completely, Murray. of course, you never know. Yeah, Latavius Murray. That feels like the one yeah. that not going to have him. And then what do you do with Naeem Hines, right? So to answer your question, I think the room looks probably similar as far as what types yeah. of players you have, maybe even a couple names, but there's going to be different names. The one place that I want to – because I, I and I would hope they do bring back Ty Johnson. I, I liked him last year. Me too. Um, Me too. He kind of was that thumper role while having that that burst of speed. Like he, he – even if you go back to his uh, – you know his pre pre draft days. Um, I remember looking up his forty time, and it was faster than I would have thought. Like a four three nine maybe is in my head for him. He had four four zero, so he ran a really fast forty yard dash back in the day, and then he had a little bit of a career with the Jets. I, I like the player, and I would be perfectly you know okay with bringing him back. The reason I ask about Murray is I I read your piece. I was looking through some numbers on this too. The one role that Murray played a lot that I didn't expect him to, and I don't know how many people did. He played more snaps for the Bills in third and long situations than any other running back. He had the most receptions for Bills uh, running backs on third down. He uh, James Cook only had three the whole year on uh, third down when it came to pass receptions. And I think that is mostly attributed to Murray's trustworthy blocking ability, right? Like, and he would sometimes, though, then run out and catch some passes when I think a lot of fans would go, wait a minute, how come Latavius Murray is catching this pass? And sometimes it went really well. Like There was that Chiefs play where it's one of the highlights of the of the year where Allen's falling out of bounds and Murray's the guy that decided to run down the field and get open. So I'm not saying it was always terrible, but I'm wondering who would replace that role. I mean, that could just be maybe they tried James Cook at it again. Um but my question to you would be like how much they trust Cook as a blocker because that is 
a role I thought he'd play coming into the league is like those third and long pass catching running back situations and it, it wasn't him last year and I'm guess I'm wondering like who that might end up being this year. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, so why did McMurray play that much? Yeah, is because you know they they trusted him more than anybody else, and yeah. you know do they have to figure out somebody that gets there. I, I do think it's a, a good question because pass catching wise, third and long, that should be James Cook time, right? I mean, you think yeah. about it. Like get James Cook on the field, throw him the ball. I get it. I know. People will tell me, like, I get it. I wrote the article, and people wrote how much, well, James Cook dropped this pass and dropped that pass. You're not wrong. Everybody, you're not wrong. I just think it was I – th- I trust him to catch those passes next year. He's a good pass catcher. Yeah. He dropped some balls this year. I, I you would, know what I mean? I would trust that, too. But are we at a point where they we don't tr- – there's no trust to, for him to be that guy that might have to stand in there and pick up a blitz? Like, isn't that more the reason right. he wasn't in there? On, on third and long situations, and I'm not even saying he can't, but uh, you know that's a lot of work. Then, right? Like he's already getting the majority of the carries. He's already going to get the majority of the of the targets, even if he does have some drops. You know, the one one spot where there might be room for somebody else to carve out a role is, yeah, can you play the role that Latavius Murray did last year in those situations? And by the way, I just want to throw Naheem Hines out there for that because he'd have to come back on a on a on a you know a, obviously a restructured contract. But just looking through some of his PFF stuff, like he's been a good pass blocking running back. Mm-hmm. But you would also expect him to do more with the ball in his hands than Latavius Murray would, I think. Yeah, I keep thinking about is there room for both Hines and, and Deontay Hardy on the roster? Oh, and Hardy, yeah, right. So I don't know about that. Right, that, like, that's the guy I go to there. I do think there's room for Hines and Cook. Yeah, but then maybe not Hardy, right? But if you have Hardy, and then maybe you don't need Hines. But you're right. I, and at the end of the day, Joe, what do they do? They have how many running backs do they have active on game day? Three, right? They don't have four. Um, right. And you know, and it doesn't mean you can't have guys in the roster. We 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 saw this this year. But yeah, Naim Hines is an interesting case. There's no way he can be come back come back. No, that contract. I just don't see it. It would be no way. There's no way. Five five million, you right? Either, or right, right around you there. You either release him or he. I mean, if you want to extend him for a year and push some money for one more year and say, we'll deal with it next year, that's fine. Just lower the cap hit. I don't care how you do it. Mm-hmm. Just lower the cap hit, right? I mean, I think that's what you have to, to do. And you don't even have to have Naeem Hines. Maybe there's another guy. And by the way, he is coming off a toward ACL. So yeah. maybe it just doesn't work out. And you think, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these guys, what's going to happen is um, we're going to have roster bonuses due coming up for some of the players in March. There's the passing physicals coming up at somewhere in the new league year, and that's going to trigger some things, and teams are going to have to make decisions. So a lot's going to be decided. But, yeah, I, I think that the room looks similar. Mm-hmm. It might be different names. And the one guy I would like to get back is Ty Johnson. But if not, Joe, get me a guy that's pretty cheap. It's yep. just kind of like Ty Johnson. The good the good news is I would right also expect if they do anything it would be cheap. I saw. Did you see the chart Ian Harditz tweeted out yesterday about it was a uh, free agent running backs in the last seven years. So running backs to get ten plus million signing with a new team, and there are seventeen names that have achieved this. They've left their original team. They've gotten the payday somewhere else. And this just totally speaks to draft running back, don't invest a lot, you know, go the cheap route if you can. Because of these 17 names, like maybe two teams don't regret signing the guy. Like David Montgomery, probably a good signing, you know, I would say last year for the Lions. And Lamar Miller in 2016, like maybe Houston doesn't regret that. But everything else, 
Like, Le'Veon Bell to the Jets, obviously a regret for the Jets. Uh, Carlos Hyde, a big deal with the Browns, regret. Jarek McKinnon for the Niners, regret. Um, so these, which 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 guys specifically are you looking at? Big deals? Like certain, what are the parameters yeah, you're is, looking at when you look at this? It's running backs that got $10 million or more signing okay. with a new team. And there's no big hits. Like, they're all misses, pretty much, in the last seven years. It's just It's just more evidence that, you know... When there is a big name running back to hit the open market, just don't do it. Just, just don't, don't, don't give him the big money. Go, go, go the inexpensive route. Can, can I throw out a an idea? I'm not sure. I, I want to know what you think about this. I'm throwing it out because I'm not saying go do it. Last year, the Texans signed Devin Singletary for 1.5 million for a one year deal. He's a free agent again. I wouldn't hate it. I, there might be ideas I like better, but it wouldn't be my least favorite idea. I shouldn't say that. He got 3.1 on the cap because of the bonus he got. Okay. So it was a $3 million cap hit. Now, he might make more, but would you take a guy? Would you take Devin Singletary back at that same rate on the Bills? At that rate? Probably not, right? I might rather, yeah. He'd have to sign almost vet minimum yeah. for me to yep. sound, make it sound like a good idea because I think I'd rather just go rookie at, or uh, someone else. I think you're right. Now that I look at the numbers, I think also. I, I agree with that. But you could do a lot worse than, than Devin Singletary if you go vet minimum. Yeah. We got to take a break here, but no offense to Spot Track, but I think they're way off when they think his that they have Singletary's market value at three years, $5.3 million per year. Uh, I don't think that's happening. I, I would be floored if Singletary got that contract a year after he didn't with, you know, a pretty good. Track record with the Bills. 8030550 is the phone number. Kyle Krabs coming up at 8 o'clock here on WGR.